is really significant because today is the day of Pentecost. And we are a Pentecostal church um, that, that, that really has an emphasis, a focus on what happened on that day. So 2,000 years ago, 50 days after Jesus died and resurrected, we have this day that the Jews celebrated as the day that they received the Mosaic Law. This is the Ten Commandments. This is the first five books of the Bible. They commemorated that every year. They celebrated that God made them a nation. They were God's people, and they celebrated that on the day of Pentecost. And then God then went, the, the Mosaic Law, law was, like, was, was like the beta version. It wasn't the full deal. Uh, there was going to be an update, and the update came 50 days after Jesus' death and resurrection, and it was the day that it poured out the Holy Spirit, the new covenant, the seal of the new covenant. And the Holy Spirit isn't just some kind of weird thing. It is God Himself, and that's something that we've got to remember. We believe that we uh, worship a God who reveals Himself in, a, in the form of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so when we say that God poured out the Holy Spirit, God was actually pouring off Himself into each and every single one of us, which is super significant. But today, before we go into a time where we're going to have some worship, we're going to be praying for one another, um, I want to talk about why should we receive the Holy Spirit. You know, there are times where you have a person that comes to you and says, I've got a great gift for you. And I give it to you, and you're like, I have no idea what to do with this. And I'm going to resell it on Gumtree as soon as is uh, kosher to do so. When we were married, uh, um, Beck's extended family, they are uh, wonderful people, generous people, and some of them are uh, of the Catholic faith. And so they really do believe uh, in, in Catholic artifacts. And so they bought us this wonderful plate that supposedly got this gold thing around, a gold trim. Um, and, and it was like, oh, this is for you. And they were so excited to give it to us. And I looked at it and said, hey, a plate that I'm never allowed to eat off. <laughs> like, it was a wrong color scheme. It, 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 it was old school. And it came with this, like, guarantee that the Catholic Church had endorsed it or something like that. Authenticity, if you're of the Catholic faith, I don't mean to be offensive. I just don't know it enough. Um, and, and so we got this gift, and it was like, I don't, I, it's, thank you, but no thank you. <laughs> it's like, give me the cash, keep the plate. <laughs> it was just like, seriously, I don't know what to do with it. And I wonder whether some of us with the Holy Spirit are like, thank you, God, for this wonderful gift. Thank you for the ghost that, that you've given to us. And what do we do with it? And so I want to just take us on a bit of a journey for us to understand perhaps uh, some aspects, not all, because there's so much that, that, you know, you can do a full semester of study on the Holy Spirit at Bible College. We got 20 minutes this morning. And um, so we'll be running through something that I feel is really key for us in particular in this season. And there's so much more we could talk about, but we're going to focus on this. And so when Jesus first called his disciples, and you can read about his Matthew, Mark, Luke, um, John, I don't think actually really goes much into it. Um, but when he calls his disciples, one of the things that we need to remember and note is that these dudes had a life. These weren't like slumming it, just sitting around waiting for Jesus to come. 
These guys were active in a lifestyle with businesses. In fact, some of them were probably quite well off in, in, in their line of work. We, we, we know that uh, James and John, their dad, had a bunch of boats, which made him a business owner, which in that time meant that he was probably quite well off. We also know that one of them was a tax collector, which in that time, uh, probably not a very good moral job, but probably quite rich. We know that there are all of these different people and they had different jobs and some were well off, some were not so well off, some were struggling in their lives. They were having a, a, a myriad of lifestyles uh, as uh, Jesus came onto the scene and when Every single one of them, whether they were rich or whether they were poor, whether they were employed or whether they were unemployed, whether they felt like they had a mission, there was a guy who was called Simon the Zealot, and his whole life was given to overthrowing the Roman Empire. If you watch um, some of the different TV series trying to show that day and that time, zealots were literally kind of like terrorists. He had a mission, man. He had a life that he was given uh, and, and ready to give his life to. These were intense people. These were not empty vessels. But Jesus called and every single one of them left their lifestyle in order to follow Jesus. They left their business. They left their old missions. They left everything. And in particular, when Jesus spoke to the fishermen, he said this, follow me and I will make you fishes of men. He says that, hey, you've had a career and you were doing this and I'm going to take elements of what you have been doing and I'm going to shift your focus to something new. What Jesus was doing was that he wasn't offering people an easier life. He wasn't offering people a more comfortable life. He wasn't giving people a highway access to the lotto numbers so that they could change their life. He was offering them something that was far more significant that would require them to leave everything that they knew and they had lived in in the past in order to take a hold of what he was calling them to do. He was giving them what we might say and understand as a meaning and purpose for their lives. And every single one of them said yes to it. These people left their livelihoods in order to find life. They left their jobs in order to find purposefulness. And the same call is here for us today. Every single day that we come in contact with God is a day that could change our trajectory as God reveals more and more what He's calling us to do. Some of us might stay in our current profession. Some of us might stay in our current direction because we have already oriented toward God. But some of us might actually need to consider that when God calls, there might be change required. We might need to let go of old expectations, what our families maybe are expecting of us. Can you imagine Simon Peter? He was uh, uh, married. He had a mother-in-law. He maybe had kids. And imagine going back home and saying to his wife, 
there was this random rabbi, teacher dude, that said, come follow me, and I kind of agreed to. So how are you going to make money, Simon? We'll, we'll figure that out. What about, you know, Matthew's friends and family? It's like, Matthew, you're making a packet with this. You're probably used to a certain lifestyle. What are you doing following a vagrant? I just have to. I wonder if we had that kind of like, whatever Jesus says is worth following, what our lives will actually look like. And I think that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Because I think that sometimes shifting and focusing our lives on what God wants us to do is not easy. And even right up to Jesus' death and His resurrection and post His resurrection, some of His disciples were still struggling with the kind of life that Jesus had called them to. They had three years of apprenticing under Jesus, the best teacher that has ever lived. And what would they do? They were still cowards. They were still hiding away. In fact, Peter wanted to go back to fishing. He wanted his old profession because it felt more comfortable and accessible for him. But Jesus says to them in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So why do we need the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is the gift of God that empowers us to the life that only God can call us to. It is talking about a kingdom life. And this is not for the faint-hearted. I remember learning about this. I actually found out a little while later. It's probably a myth, but there was a guy named Ernest Shackleton. And he was going to make an expedition to Antarctica. This was early days. No one had ever done it before. And supposedly he put an ad in the newspapers that said, um, Adventurers wanted. Low pay, hard work, no guarantee of coming back sign up here, and supposedly 5,000 men went for it. It's the same with World War I, World War II, when they were asking for people, there were people who had adventure in their eyes. And probably a naivety about it. But I wonder if God's calling us to the same kind of adventurous spirit, that maybe in today's world, with all that's gone on, maybe we've lost a little bit. Where we go, Jesus, thank you for the Holy Spirit, but it's a bit too risky for me. Can you imagine saying that to God? Because I think some of us are. You're calling me to what? Give up my jobs? I mean, in the, in the Gospels, we read some people come to Jesus and say, uh, 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 teacher, rabbi, master, I'll follow you. And, he, and, and Jesus says, you know, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And supposedly the dude just went, well, well too hard. I thought following a rabbi with 5,000 people coming to crowds would have a five-star hotel, maybe. And I was like, no, not going to be that easy. You see, there were crowds of people that saw Jesus, heard his message, and never really understood or grabbed a hold of kingdom life. There were tons of people that maybe even understood it, but maybe didn't step fully into it. 
because they had reservations. See, the giving of the Holy Spirit is not something that is small, it's not something insignificant, it's something that will change your life. It is something that will change the way that you see things. It's something that will change it on the inside and it will change what you are doing. It is something that requires an adventurous spirit. But more than an adventurous spirit, I think it requires trust. Because if I trust that Jesus is God who died on the cross for my sin in order that I can have eternal life, if He's saying that He is inviting me to something else, I'll say yes to whatever He says. Some of us think that Jesus has purchased our life and then given us back the deed to say, do whatever you want. And in some way, Jesus allows us to do that. But are we really living? Are we really living if we wake up, eat, work, get some money, sleep, use that money to buy food, use that money to buy a TV, use that money to buy a couch, Use that money to buy more expensive food. Use that money to buy some avocados on toast. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm living it up. I get to go to holidays in a third world nation and my money triples in value. I feel good about myself. Is that living? I don't mean that God doesn't allow us to enjoy life, but what if God was saying, adventure ahead? not for people who want to keep their lives. What if he actually said that? Whoever gains the whole world but loses his soul, what profit is that? What if he says there's something so much more for you? So why do we need the Holy Spirit? It's because the Holy Spirit brings us into the fullness of what Christ intends for us to have. Our meaning and our purpose is found is made clear and is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And as strange as it sounds, Jesus chooses to pour out the Holy Spirit as an event, as an experience, something to be experienced and something to be had. Imagine this. He could have said to the disciples, you know, the Father exists outside of time and space. So you don't know it that the Holy Spirit has already been given to you. Now you just have to live it out. He could have somehow locked the Holy Spirit into your DNA because he knows that you're going to follow him one day. No, he says to the disciples, wait until you have received the Holy Spirit. What does that mean except that they would know when they have received the Holy Spirit? And Jesus didn't even have to explain to them what they were waiting for. He just says, go into Jerusalem and wait till you receive the Holy Spirit. And they're like, I, I, if I was one of them, I'd be like, what does it feel like? Well, how do I know? I need a checkbox. I need a tick list. I need to know what this is like. Jesus is like, you will know. You will know. And so in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, we read, And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And wind uh, in the Bible speaks of the Spirit. And the Spirit was coming in because the word wind in the, in the Hebrew is the word ruach, which is also the word for Spirit. This is a picture of the Spirit coming. There was a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided 
their tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. What does it represent? I think it represents that God's favor rests on them because the fire comes upon the sacrifice. These men and women that were in this upper room, they were waiting. They were sacrificing their time. They were sacrificing their lives in order to receive the Holy Spirit. And God was saying, my fire rests upon you because you're an acceptable sacrifice. And then it goes on to say, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They knew they were filled because there's an encounter and it was an experience that they could not go back from. And that is what we need to keep searching for. Last week, we spoke about how the Bible tells us to continually be filled with the Spirit, meeting together, speaking and singing to each other with hymns and songs, submitting to one another in the church. And it's not just like through your singing and submission, you automatically receive the Holy Spirit. I believe that there are moments where there is this tangible encounter with the Holy Spirit that we continually need to be seeking out. And we see that in the early church as well. Please read the book of Acts because it is exciting, it is fun, but it's also packed full of examples of what God was doing in the early church and what the church then went on to do. So a couple of chapters later, Acts chapter 2 was the day of Pentecost, uh, fire fell down, Acts chapter 4. Now at this point, uh, Peter and John had been in jail and they were threatening Peter and John with execution. But God had released them, and so they went to his prayer meeting. And this is the end of their prayer meeting. I'm going to read from uh, verse 29. It says, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. And while you stretch out uh, your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the, ho- the name of your holy servant, Jesus. What were they saying? God, let us continue living out your mission. The Holy Spirit comes on people who are ready and willing to do what God has commissioned us to do. And verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, two chapters ago, these guys were already filled and so they come back, they, they re-give, they, they recommit to God and His mission. And what happens? A fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Some of you might be feeling dry in your walk with God. Maybe it's because you haven't been praying in line with God's heart and God's mission. Because I believe that when we are here together and we are saying, God, I want to live for your mission I think God honors that. I think God loves that. When we are living for His purposes, God's not like, oh, oh, they're not good enough. (laughs) Yes, we are not good enough, and that's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's the whole point of it. And so this morning, we want to create a space for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit, whether for the first time, second time, third time, hundredth time. The day of Pentecost is a day that we remember the filling of the Spirit is a central aspect to our lives. Jesus said, it's better that I go to heaven so that we can send the Holy Spirit. This is an exceptional gift. It isn't for the faint-hearted. It isn't for people that are trying to save their own lives. It's for people that are understanding that God has already saved your life. 
It's for people that understand that God has given you a call that is worth living for. That God has given you a mission that is worth living for. And is saying, God, I want to live like that. And with that, I, I believe that God honors it and there's a flow of the Holy Spirit. Acts tells us uh, that when people want to be filled with the Spirit, there was a laying on of hands and there was a praying. And so that's what we're going to practice this morning. The band will be coming up soon. We'll be singing a couple of songs and then I'll give some instructions. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you come on down and we'll pray. Everyone else, let's take this moment just to continue to pray together. Let's ask God for words of encouragement to one another because uh, I believe that God can speak through all of us. But but it's also good to be discerning together, not individually what God is saying, right? And I just want to read out one final passage before we get into that. In 1 Corinthians 14 verses 1 to 5, it says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Prophesy just simply means speaking out what you are hearing from God. You are speaking out God's words. Um, uh, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God for one uh, for no one understands him. So catch this. It's said that on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell and they began to speak in tongues. What it meant is that they actually didn't understand it, but they were actually speaking to God and not to men. For he utters mysteries in the Spirit. We believe that tongues is a prayer language. And what is the purpose of the prayer language? We'll come to that really soon. Verse 3, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. So what does this mean? It means that there is a personal prayer language that builds yourself up, and then there are gifts of the Spirit that builds other people up. And Paul is saying that we should be earnestly seeking after the gifts that build other people up, because that's what the kingdom is meant to look like. We're not meant to be building my own empire, my own self. I'm meant to be building up the people of God, the church of God. However, he doesn't discredit the personal uh, prayer language. He still says we should be doing that. In fact, for me to carry the external uh, gifts of God, I need to be off uh, uh, building myself up. The first day that I started preaching was the day that I preached my worst message. Why? Because I was still building myself up. In fact, when I look at this message in 20 years' time, I'm probably going to think, what rubbish were you speaking? <laughs> or like, maybe not rubbish, but like, I would have done that so much better. With 20 more years of learning and experience and stewardship, which we've been learning all about the last few weeks. The sermon is about training and equipping, uh, sorry, training and use. And so we need to use it. And how a part of that is that we build ourselves up by using that personal prayer language. And that personal prayer language, Paul explains it, if there is an interpretation, that, then it goes into the realm of prophecy because it's building other people up. Paul says, I wish, I pray in tongues more than all of you. I want all of you to speak in tongues because we all need to be building ourselves up. The day of Pentecost is the day of empowerment to be sent out. And I think it was a bit of a 
I think it's a bit of a God thing that we are celebrating the day of Pentecost on our last day here. I sense that there is a sending outness that we are having into our church. But before we get sent out, why don't we make sure that we are empowered, filled with the Holy Spirit for what God wants to do in our midst, yeah? And so if you don't speak in tongues, I believe that that is a gift that is available for every single person. That is specifically what Beck and myself want to be really praying for. Now, in our Pentecostal uh, doctrine, what we believe is that tongues is the clearest evidence that you have been baptized in the Spirit. Remember that Jesus, uh, John the Baptist said that he came with a baptism of repentance, of water, but Jesus comes to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. And so the clearest evidence that we can find in the Bible is speaking in tongues. Um, and so that's what we want you to have. We want you to have the experience that you can have without a shadow of doubt that the Holy Spirit is active and alive in you. We want to stand with you. We want to pray with you. You might not receive it necessarily right on the spot, and that's okay because the Bible tells us to continue to tarry, to pray, to ask uh, fervently. Uh, Jesus tells us this, that if someone wants the Holy Spirit, what do they do? They ask, and they ask, and they ask. So maybe today is your first ask. Maybe it's your fifth ask. That's cool. Let's ask, and we're ready to ask with you. But let's pray for something fresh. And then we also want people to be pray, praying for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I know that there are times where I needed to be reminded that this life is not lived in my own strength. It is lived with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So let this be a reminder. Let this be an encouragement. Let's do this. So we can get the band up this morning. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Lift Church or on Facebook at Live Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.